Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're honored that you join us here. Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. We chose that name because we believe that the words and ways of Jesus are very beautiful. And so each week we're bringing content to help make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and dive in to this past Sunday's sermon. Well, as we continue our freedom series, I just want to declare, I believe that each and every one of you have a 100% chance of finding freedom from your addictions, freedom from your pain points, freedom from your past in ways that it's caused unhealth, how it's infected you. I believe that you can find freedom in Christ. And I believe that in the scripture, one of the greatest tools that we find for achieving and experiencing freedom is through surrendering all of our lives to God. 100% of who we are, what we do, what we have, we find freedom by surrendering to God. I want to read something that Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 16. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Everybody say, give up your own way. You must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? You know, we're in this series of sermons on freedom, and uh, I don't believe we find freedom through our wisdom through our strength, through willpower, through hustle, through grit. I believe that true biblical freedom doesn't come through technology. It comes through surrendering to God. And uh, I want to share a principle because many of us have been taught, and rightfully so in many contexts, that uh, quitters never win and winners never quit. But I also believe that there's a principle that says, quit while you're ahead. And so I'm going to lean into that one. <laughs> and so the title of my message today is, Why You Should Quit. This might be a word for someone here, but I, I want to say something to some people here. I'm not going to point any fingers. But if you started a, a Netflix show, you don't have to finish it. Just let freedom enter this room. If you started a book that you don't like and it's long, it's not helping... You don't have to finish. But pastor, I bought it. You don't have to give it away. But but pastor, I finished things. No, let go of the book. You know that, that, okay, this is going to preach to someone. I'm not trying to step on any toes here. That iPhone box you've carried for the last 10 years, (laughs) you've been storing it, hoping that one day you would be able to use it. You're like, I don't want to be wasteful. So I've I've been enduring, pastor. I've been storing it. Can I tell you something? If you haven't used that iPhone box yet, you will never use that iPhone box, and you can quit storing it. Who's this message for today? You can get rid of, can we give God some glory? Freedom in the house of God, you can get rid of that iPhone box. It's, it's okay. You know, there are so many shows, so many books, so many things you can give up. You can give up your own way. You know, in our house, Pastor Amitha and I, we have the 10-minute rule whenever we start a movie or a show. 10 minutes in, we pause the show and we say, do you want to continue? And any one of us can cancel the show. 
because there's so many good shows out there. A lot of times, because we watch completely different shows, Amritha and I compromise, and we watch some show in the middle that really we both don't like. And so we're watching this thing for so long, we're like, do you even like this? No. So we've created the 10-minute rule so we can escape that. You know, there's this show called One Piece. Anybody here of One Piece? And uh, it's, uh, it's an anime. It was recently made into a live action. You should have heard of One Piece because it set the all-time Netflix viewing record. It was the number one show in 84 countries, surpassing Stranger Things, surpassing Wednesday. Both of those are only one in 83 countries. But this had one piece more. <laughs> so it hit 84. And uh, it, it's a pretty good live action show. I really enjoyed it. But it's based on an anime, which is like Japanese cartoons. And the anime has over 1,000 episodes at this point. And I got to tell you, it's not that great. I know I'm stepping on some toes. But there is a, a brother in Christ here, Randall, right here in the front row, married to Linda. And he has uh, been watching this show. And he, I'm like, how are you doing? He's like, man, it, it's slow. It's not good. Uh, how, many, how many episodes? Uh, don't ask me about it. Uh, on Friday, I asked him, how far are you? And he's like, what are you, like 700 episodes in? He's like, he's like, Pastor, I'm 700 episodes into One Piece, and it's starting to get good. <laughs> I'm like, dude, it's starting to get good? What are you doing? <laughs> it's just started to get good. I'm like... Bro, you need to quit that show. It's too much time. We have one life. Give it up. <laughs> and so I, I just want to bring freedom here. There are some shows. There's some things in your life. It's okay to quit. It's okay to give up. You don't have to watch The Golden Bachelor. You can give it up. You don't have to. You don't have to watch One Piece. You can give it up. Tap someone on the shoulder if this message is for them. Amen, amen. So why do we hold on to these things that... We know aren't good for us, that we're not necessarily enjoying. It's not bringing us life, but we continue to do regardless. Well, I believe that we're falling prey to a principle called the sunk cost fallacy. What is the sunk cost fallacy? It's when a person is reluctant to abandon a strategy or course of action because they have invested heavily in it. Even when it's clear, then abandonment, that abandonment would be more beneficial. So it's like, I've invested all this money into a business. It's going down, but I've already invested so much, so I'm going to keep on investing in it because I'm not a quitter. Or maybe you're, you're not married, but you've been in this relationship, and you know it's a toxic relationship. Your friends are calling you out on it, but you're like, it's been five years investing into this thing. We have so much history. I wouldn't know how to start over. I just got, I, I've I've, I've invested too much. I don't want to start again. And so you have opted into sunk cost fallacy. It's the, the, the pain of past costs is more blinding to you than the pain of future costs. So you prioritize past costs over future costs. That's called the sunk cost fallacy. And I want you to know it's a fallacy. Just because you've done something a certain way, just because you've invested in a certain direction, that doesn't mean you have to be going in that same pattern and path forever. Well, Pastor, I've been coping, and these substances have helped me get through the season. And I don't know how I will move on without them. You don't have to depend on that for your freedom. 
oh, pastor, I've been in this relationship, or I've invested into this career. I got my degree in this, but then I, I moved to Bellevue, and I got the, the most high-paying job, and I'm moving up the corporate ladder. I'm finally using my degree, and on the first month of the job, I realized, I don't actually think this is the career for me, but I've invested too much. How could I turn back now? I'd be an embarrassment to my family. I'd feel like a, a quitter. I'm telling you what, that is the sunk cost fallacy. If you've operated in a way that's destroying your life, that's causing harm to the people around you, that's not helping you to walk in your calling as a follower of Jesus, I got a word for you. It's time to give up. It's okay to quit. Can I get a good amen? It's okay to quit. But we like this idea of continuing in something we can control, but Control, oftentimes, my friends, is an illusion. And we don't have as much control as we think. And so today, I want to try talking about experiencing total freedom in Christ through total surrender. Let's revisit what Jesus said in Matthew 16. Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, say with me, you must give up your own way. And then you take up your cross, you follow me. If you hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? You know, Jesus talks about picking up our cross and following him. And now, in our culture, the cross is a piece of jewelry. It's something that can be cute or precious. But in this Roman context, the cross was a tool of torture, execution, murder, and threat. I mean, when you would rebel against the government, they would say, we don't want more people rebelling, so we're going to place these crosses in public areas, near roads and areas where everyone will see bodies being tortured on that cross. So they'll say, oh, I never want to fight against Rome, because if I do, I will suffer the same fate. And so Jesus, he says, if you want to follow me, it's not just singing kumbaya, it's not just this spiritual massage train. It's picking up your cross and following him, denying yourself, laying down your life, and experiencing full surrender. And so what is the context of this story? Let's back up a little bit. Let's go to verse 21. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem, that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. So Jesus says, this is before he tells them to pick up the cross. He says, look, I'm going to Jerusalem, and I'm going to suffer. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. I'm going to be tortured by the religious leaders. This is coming. And then how do one of the disciples, specifically the disciple Peter, how does he respond? Look in verse 22. But Peter took him aside. Can you imagine taking Jesus aside? Hey, hey, bro, I got to talk to you. And he began to reprimand him. Peter reprimanded Jesus. And why did he reprimand him? He reprimanded him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Verse 23, then Jesus turned to Peter and here's some strong words, especially in the context of what we've been learning in the freedom curriculum about how Satan tempts us, how uh, all these things are happening in our spiritual, mental, emotional lives. Uh, Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a danger. Say this word with me. Trap. 
You're a dangerous trap. You're the one who prevents my freedom. You're the one who's trying to ensnare me. You're holding me back. Peter, my disciple, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. And so Jesus says, I'm about to save the whole world through self-sacrifice. And Peter says, no, 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 heaven forbid that. Uh, You're not going to die. You're not going to experience bad things, especially within your agency and willingly. You're not going to experience these hardships. But Jesus said, no, I have chosen to follow my heavenly Father's plan to save the entire world. I am going to die on the cross. I'm going to lay my life down because I've prayed this prayer, bro. Not my will, but God's will be done. And so I'm going to die on that cross. And so you're Satan. You're trying to prevent me from laying down my life. But I'm telling you what, that's a trap. And you're not going to trap me. Because here's a, a crazy thing. Peter thought he was helping Jesus by getting him out of the mode of self-sacrifice. Peter thought he was helping Jesus by telling him not to lay down his life. And in our culture, I feel a tinge of this, even in the church, where we think self-sacrifice is a bad thing. But Jesus says, hey, if you want to gain your life, find life, experience true life, you don't, you don't get it by holding on to it yourself and fighting for your own life yourself. You gain a life by surrendering your life. By giving it up. And so point number one, something I want to communicate today is this. Self-sacrifice is the ultimate self-care. Those who give up their life for the sake of Christ will save it. Self-sacrifice is the ultimate self-care. And obviously, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about stewarding our physical bodies and our souls and our emotional and mental health and stewarding our spiritual lives. But it is not our own plans, our own ways, and our own strengths that will help us to experience life and life abundantly. We find true life when we give our lives to God, when we fully surrender 100% of who we are to him. And so Jesus said, Peter, I know you have good intentions. You're saying, don't die. Take care of yourself. Okay, make sure you do this the right way, the healthy way, the sustainable way. But Jesus said, nope, I'm following the will of God, and that's the best way to find true life. I will lay down my life to follow the will of my Father. And so I I, I just want to ask you, are you living a life that's fully surrendered to God? Or are you trying to take care of things in your own strength? Because from death, we find life. I remember growing up, I used to play Mario on... The NES, the original Mario NES. Anybody play that? And you have this, not many people. Wow, I'm feeling very old. Thank you, Asa. And so uh, you have this cartridge, and you have this, uh, this console. You play the game with your controller. And oftentimes, Mario, you're playing the game. You're accomplishing the level. But then it starts to glitch. And Mario gets stuck, and you can't move forward. And then you button mash. And you're like, all right, if I press these buttons faster, I'll get out of it. Or, and then the music starts to repeat, and you hear that, uh, 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 And you're like, I can't, uh, I can't press the buttons. I can't think my way out of this. So what do you do? You take the cartridge out of the console, and you, for some reason, blow into it. And then you put it in, and it works. It's like all of your button mashing, your strength, your wise ways didn't work. But simply 
letting the game die, pulling this thing away, and then putting it back in was just the system reboot. It's the reset that it needed. Some of us are stuck and we're trapped, and we're just in this cycle where we're repeating the same things over and over again. We're like that stuck Mario where we're like, uh, I'm addicted to this, but it's all I know, so I'm going to keep doing it. Uh, I don't want to do this, but I, I, I'm doing it again here. You know, that, you know the cycle. Uh, and we're like trying to button mash our way out of it using self-will, grit, hustle, willpower, all these things. But it's not working. But there's a time where you just need to quit the game as it is, you need to die to yourself, pull the cartridge out, let the Holy Spirit blow life into you. Can I get a good amen? And then you put the game back in, and then you beat Bowser, glory to God in the highest. And save Princess Peach. But I, can we be honest? When it comes to trusting God with our life, with our happiness, with our family, our career, some of us don't really want to trust God. We don't want to surrender it to him because we're like, God, if I, if I surrender you 100% of my life, that means that the only movie I can ever watch is like God's Not Dead. <laughs> and I can only take so much Kevin Sorbo. <laughs> You're like, if I, if I surrender my life to God, I'm going to have to move and live in this hut and be a missionary, and I will, I'll never see running water or electricity again. Who's ever had that fear? Let's be real. You're like, I'm not surrendering to God because I, I just don't trust him with my happiness, my life, my peace, and I, I want to maintain this sense of control. In fact, I saw this video I want to show you, and it's this like one of these home makeover shows, and you have to give this professional interior designer like total control of your house. You leave the house for like a week, you come back, and you have no control. You're fully surrendered. And then this person comes back, and they don't like the result. And I think this is kind of how we see our relationship with God. God, I would surrender to you, but I'm not sure I'm going to like the result. Let's watch this video. The room. Okay. <laughs> Open your eyes and see your new family room. Wow. <laughs> Well, I really like the wainscoting. You do? Well, I really do. It's different. And the furniture needed slipcovers. Yeah, that's denim. The big question is, what do you think about the fireplace? You guys are going to be fixing that in a little bit. So, um... Yeah, well, I just see a lot of firewood. <laughs> so, um... Well, I'm glad. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Boy, she's not happy. She's really not happy. We're afraid of being this couple. <laughs> so we're like, God, I'm not surrendering my life to you because I, I like things the way I have it. But we're called to surrender our lives, pick up our cross, follow Jesus. Like, 80% surrender is not the kind of surrender God is looking for. He's looking for us to surrender our lives to him. And many of us, we feel like if I take care of things myself, it will be better. 
If I operate in self-preservation instead of self-sacrifice, my life will be better. If I prioritize my career at the expense of my family or my spiritual life, if I, if I prioritize these uh, addictions or giving in to the easy route, then my life will be better. But it's a trap. And we wonder why we are longing for freedom. You know, there's this uh, uh, a trap that South Indians invented. It's called the South Indian monkey trap. And you trap a monkey not through force, not through great drain, danger, but by giving it something that it wants. I want to show you this picture. There's this monkey, and uh, I didn't draw this, but there's a monkey, and there's a coconut that people would hollow out and make an entrance. You could fit the hand in there and the arm in there. And the reason the monkey would want to reach inside of the hollowed out coconut is because there would be some rice or candy or some fruit in there. The monkey reaches in. And there's room for its hand to enter, but then when it grabs the rice, it makes a fist. And there's not enough room in the hole for a fist to come out. So as long as the monkey is holding the rice, it's trapped, it's stuck. If it would just simply release the rice, it'd be able to escape, find safety, and go look for other food. But because it has this ideal in its mind, whenever I see rice, I have to grab it, it holds on. And then the people come who want to trap a monkey for some reason, and they see this monkey, and it's just peacefully staying there. It doesn't have to fight it. It doesn't have to yell at it. And it puts it in a permanent trap forever. And there are things that we're holding on to. And we think, oh, career, I need it. Oh, this, this kind of toxic relationship, need it. Oh, taking care of myself in this own strength, need it. Watching 700 episodes of One Piece, need, need it. Right? I'm not speaking to anybody specifically here. <laughs> but it's a trap. <laughs> and, and it's okay to quit. Because when you let go of that trap, you know, and we're like, oh, if I let go, I'll lose my identity, I'll lose my security, I'll lose my retirement plan. But I'm telling you, when you let go of it, you get to rest in the hands of our Savior. You get to find safety. And instead of carrying the weight of being your own provider, you get the provider to take care of you. And it's like, I know it's cheesy, but when we let go, we really let God. And instead of taking care of ourselves, and I know there's a weight on your shoulder. I know it's hard to get through life in this economy and this culture and this time. And there's a, there's a lot of tension in the atmosphere. And you were never meant to carry the weight of the world on your shoulder alone. You, I know you're fighting to survive and move forward, but friends, you were never meant to carry the weight of the world by yourself. You have a Savior who's saying, would you just trust me? Would you let go? Would you surrender? Because I want to carry this with you. I want to, to help you. These addictions, these, these securities, they're not the end all. I am. I love this quote by Elizabeth Elliot, who actually, her, her husband died because he became a missionary. He preached the gospel to unreached people groups. She surrendered their family. He goes, preaches the gospel. They kill him. And then she returns to that area to minister to them after they killed her husband. And she raises her children with the people that murdered her husband. And she writes this, when the surrender of ourselves seems too much to ask, it is, first of all, because our thoughts of God himself are paltry. In our blindness, we, re we approach him with suspicious reserve. We ask how much of our fun he intends to spoil, how much he will demand from us, how high is the price we must pay before he is placated. 
If we had the least notion of his loving kindness and tender mercy, his fatherly care for his poor children, his generosity, his beautiful plans for us, if we knew how patiently he waits for our turning to him, how gently he means to lead us to green pastures and still waters, how carefully he is preparing a place for us, how ceaselessly he is ordering and ordaining and engineering his master plan for our good. If we had any inkling of all of this, could we be reluctant to let go of whatever we clutch so fiercely in our sweaty little hands? I mean, I think one of the reasons we have a hard time surrendering is we don't think our God is a good God. But our God is a good God, and he has good plans and intentions for you. Amen? Amen. And so the second point I want to communicate is this. Salvation is free, but following Jesus costs everything. And I think this is something we need to get into our system. Like, we're not called to just be fans of Jesus Christ. We're meant to follow him, saying everything I own, everything I do, all that I steward belongs to you. Salvation is free, but to be a follower of Jesus, it's going to cost you everything. I love talking about animals this morning, and so I'm going to talk about some more animals. Who's excited to talk about a chicken and a pig? <laughs> I can't hear you. All right, we're going to talk about a chicken and a pig. I want to give this as an example of what we're called to follow Jesus like. Because we're not called to just uh, be involved with God's will for our life. We're called to be committed to God's will for our life. So there's this chicken and a pig. They're walking down the road. And they see a store that says, we are in desperate need of eggs and bacon. The chicken says to the pig, we've got to do something. They're in desperate need. we got to help. We have what they're looking for. And so I'll give some eggs, and pig, we got to give some bacon. And the pig says, are you crazy, chicken? You can give eggs without dying. You can make uh, just an involved sacrifice. But if I give up the bacon, I give up my life. You're crazy, chicken. And this is an example of what our surrender is called to be like with God. I got to ask you, are you like the chicken where you're like involved with the Lord's will? You just give an egg here, (laughs) give an egg there. But you're not like the, the pig. In order to give that, that bacon and that oh, short rib, glory to God, you have to sacrifice your entire life to make the contribution. Are you a chicken or are you a pig when it comes to your full surrender to Jesus Christ? Because we're not just called to be involved, but fully committed. And when we surrender the entirety of our lives, I'm telling you what, that's the kind of freedom that only comes through surrender that we're actually looking for, that kind of freedom in Christ. You know, every, every morning I'm praying with my son and I pray for the Lord's will to be done. You know, Jesus, when he was asked, how do we pray? He said, pray like this. I pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And notice how he has us pray, pray thy will, God's will, not my will. And so uh, it's a matter of saying, Lord, I don't want my will to be done, but I want your will to be done. And then he says, pray this, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And remember last week we talked about how we're made up of different parts as humans. And part of us is physical. And Adam and Eve, they were created from the, the dust from the earth. Adam means dust or red because of the earth. And it, literally, humans were created from the earth and were on the earth. So when I pray, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm not just talking about systems and society. I'm saying, Lord, if I am made out of dust, I'm made from the earth, Lord, let your will be done in earth 
as it is in heaven. Let your will be done in me. Let me fully surrender like the pig does to make bacon instead of just parts of me like the chicken does to provide eggs. The Lord has called us to fully commit to him. I remember when I, I was graduating from Bible college and went to Oral Roberts University, and I had these grand plans to be this big minister, to be a traveling evangelist, to preach to stadiums and crowds. I felt like that's what the Lord was calling me to do, and I, I got the opportunity to be the graduation speaker. And so I'm preaching side by side with all these celebrity pastors, well-known names that we would know, and because of that, I got job opportunities, places that would pay well, have a great platform. But I remember the Lord spoke to me during that time saying, hey, I don't want you to work for any of these big platform, high-paying positions. I want you to serve this church in Colorado, live in the pastor's basement, and work for him for free. I was like, Lord, are you kidding me? Do you know who I just preached with? He's like, be a pig. I was like, okay. And so I, I moved into this basement, and I was not making any money. Didn't have a lot of money. To this day, it's one of the reasons I love Burger King so much. Because uh, I lived in an era where the dollar menu was actually a dollar. Where has that era gone? <laughs> but anyways, I, I, I had a hard time. I was like, Lord, why am I doing this? It's not glamorous. I'm not making any money. But I, at the end of the day, I said, Lord, I surrender to your will. Not my will, but yours be done. And I say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. I'm giving you my life. And, you know, it was difficult it led to many dark nights of the soul, but trusting the Lord, I realized he had a greater plan than me, than I would have even thought of in my own strength, because I met a girl named Amritha G. Manohar in Sivaretnam. You know, I got to Bible school for four years, and there's like three Christian girls who wanted to be pastors for every one guy in Bible school, never dated one girl. And then I go to this church in Colorado on the first day. It wasn't a very diverse church. It was an all-white church. But on that white river, there was a brown log floating through. <laughs> and I saw Abritha. <laughs> and my obedience to lay down my life to the Lord, I realized he had something better for me than I would have planned in my own wisdom and my own strength. And now we're married, and we are having a happy life together. Can I get a good amen? <laughs> You know, Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And so today, I just want to call us to surrender and trust that the Lord has a good plan for our lives. And, you know, tying this into the legacy offering as a close, I just, number three, I want to share this. Money is a key indicator of surrender. Money represents our time, our talent, our treasure. Money represents our security, our future. Money represents what we've given our lives to create. And so it was with my job. Serving this church for free was a big sacrifice for me. I was trying to start my career. It was the 2008 financial collapse. I was like, I can't live like this. The Lord said, would you trust me? And I was reminded of Matthew 6.24 that says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And I know a lot of us moved to the Bellevue area to get our first corporate jobs or a high-paying job, and it's expensive out here, and so we're clinging on to money. We're not feeling like we can surrender this part of our lives to the Lord, and that's why for the last six years we've been doing this legacy offering, to say, Lord, we surrender everything to you. We're not going to let money control my heart. 
We're not going to let money be my God. I'm not going to take care of myself. But even if it hurts, I'm going to surrender my life to you as represented by money. Throughout the scriptures, we see that. We can't serve both God and money. And we say, Lord, we're not serving anybody else. We surrender to you. And so I want to ask you, would you continue to pray about this legacy offering? And I want to read this quote by Larry Burkett. He writes, when we surrender every area of our lives, including our finances to God, then we are free to trust him to meet our needs. But if we would rather hold tightly to those things that we possess, then we find ourselves in bondage to those very things. And so I want to ask you to trust all of your God, all of your life to God, including your money. You know, I want to close with this story. Amritha just returned from Cambodia. She was there about 10 days, and she shared this wild story with our team on Monday. There's this girl she met living in this area that was known as the slums, and this girl is five years old, all by herself. Apparently, her, her family would leave her on the streets and say, you cannot come home until you bring home a dollar or some sort of money. We don't care how you make this money, but you're not allowed to come home until you bring back money. And I can't even imagine that. Like, our daughter is four years old, and for her to be alone in slums and streets trying to get money and... These girls will do whatever it takes to get that money because they want to go home. So they'll, they'll sell their bodies, they'll steal, they'll attack people. It's like this dog-eat-dog world where they're just like, I got I to gotta get this money to survive. Amrita met this girl, and she had this big infection on her hand, and it was like a golf ball swelling, and she was just uh, so clenched and getting through life. In fact, as Amrita was talking, uh, this, gir- this ball flew through the, the, the air. These kids were playing some sport, and it hit this girl in her hand. She just grimaced in pain, five-year-old girl. And uh, quickly, though, she got up and started yelling in Kamaya to these kids, revenge, revenge. And that kind of shows how scrappy this girl was. She had a fight for herself. She had no time to like be in pain. She had to make sure she was just fighting, attacking, making her way through this world in her own strength, thoughts, and strategies. And Amritha said, hey, I would like to help you out, give you some food. And the girl, her hands were clenched. She had this infection, and she just wouldn't let go of her, her fist to eat the food. And Amritha's like, what's going on? Apparently, she had made a dollar that day. And who knows how she made that dollar, but she was like, I will not let go of this because this is my security, my safety. This is the only way I can make it back to be with my family. And so Amrita said, all right, I'll, I'll just feed you. So she started to feed this girl, came in her food. Who knows when her last meal was? She may have been on this area for a day or two or something like that. Feeds her and then finally convinces this girl, can you let, let us just like take care of you? What's going on in your hand? And Finally, they realized like, she had this dollar, and she let go of the dollar, and in the safety, she put it down. And because of that, they're able to bring her into a hospital and treat this infection and help this girl find health. But she, she had the scarcity mindset. She was living in this dog-eat-dog world. She was like, I have to take care of myself, but just that one moment of kindness and love, experiencing Christian hospitality, the love of Jesus, finally she was able to say, you know what? I don't have to take care of myself. I've been striving. I, I can give up my ways. I can, I can quit this moment for at least this day and let people love me. And they treated her infection because she was able to release that money. Now, I just believe that if we're not careful, we'll be like that little girl. We have an infection of like, we have these 
tight fists and we're clenched onto money or, or some sort of security and we're like that, that monkey in the trap or we're like this little girl who, who's not getting the, the healing that she needs. But with this legacy offering, what we're symbolically doing is saying, Lord, I, I'm, I'm opening up my hands. You can take whatever you want out of there, but you also can put whatever you want in there. I don't want the infection of self-preservation to ruin my life. So Lord, I completely surrender my life to you. And I believe that we're all holding on to something. And today, as we pray about our legacy, but just in general, would you surrender everything to the Lord? I mean, that thing you don't want him to touch. Even as I'm writing this message, I'm like, Lord, would I give my Bitcoin to you if you asked me to do it? I would. Even though things are about to go crazy this next year with the halving. Even though BlackRock just approved probably a spot ETF. Yes, I would give you my Bitcoin. Because I don't want anything to rule my life but Jesus Christ. He's the only one worthy of being our master. Amen. Let's close our eyes and pray. Dear Lord, I pray that you'd help us find full surrender here. Help us walk in true freedom, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd examine our hearts and reveal to us, is there anything we're unwilling to let go to you? Is there anything we're unwilling to surrender to you? Would you illuminate that part of our life? And would you help us surrender it to you? We pray in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. We'll be back here every week with fresh content. But hey, I want to give you an invitation to our Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you in person. We have multiple service times every single Sunday morning in downtown Bellevue, Washington. If you would be interested in joining us, just go to www.kalos.church. All the information you need is there. You can actually even click a link to sign up and save a seat so we can help make sure you feel comfortable coming and hanging out with us in person. So thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.